What would Scripture record about your story? What would Scripture say about you and me as we seek to be all God has called us to be? Thanks for tuning in to the Putnam City Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message encourages you wherever you might be. If you'd like to learn more about PCBC, visit us online at pcbc.tv. Now, here's Pastor Bill. Well, good morning, good morning, good morning. Good to see the house full today. Even got them in the front row again. That's a good sign that God is working among his people. We are in a four-week cycle all year long. As you look at a calendar, first week of the month, we are praying for someone who needs to know the Jesus that's changed our life. In week two, we find a way to serve them during that calendar week. In the third week of a month, we find a way just to contact that person, to reach out to them, to encourage them, let them know we're praying for them and thinking about them. And then week four, which we're in this week, is how do we try to share Jesus with them personally? I hope that you are engaging in that new habit through this new year of 2021 as we walk one-on-one with God and as we try to share Jesus with someone that is in our life that needs the life that only Jesus can give. Today, I want to uh, help you in that next step, that step of helping introduce somebody to Christ. Do you remember the first time someone introduced you to something or someone? Can you think back and what pops in your mind all of a sudden? I look back this week as I was putting the message together and realized it was my dad who introduced me to Johnny Cash. The Statler brothers, we had to listen to them on the eight-track tape all the way around in our motorhome as we would travel in the summer, and I became the Statler brother fan. Jerry Lee Lewis, Neil Diamond, Roy Orbison, and all the golden oldies. My dad just gave me uh, an introduction to those things. My mom introduced me to chocolate eclairs. Thank you, Jesus. Introduced me to Milky Way cake. Unfortunately, she introduced me to tater tot casserole. That was a bad moment in our family history. And also introduced me to have a love for horses, and that has come back to bite me a couple of times. I remember on a mission trip to Atlanta, we uh, were taking the kids. At that time, I was in Arkansas, and we made our way into Atlanta. As we arrived, our host church said, hey, while you're here, you rookies from Arkansas, you have to have a Krispy Kreme donut. Now, this was way back in the day before Krispy Kreme spread across the land. It really was just in that part of the United States. And they said, Krispy Kreme donut. I heard crispy. I heard cream. I heard donut. And I got sick at my stomach until I was introduced to that hot conveyor belt as they would come under that iced heaven from glory manna. I found where it came from. I'll never forget that introduction. I remember 1981, don't tell Cammie, but she introduced me to kissing, 1981. (laughs) Actually, I may have introduced her, I'm not sure how that went. But she introduced me to Jesus. She introduced me to a great Bible teaching church, Emmanuel Baptist Church, and then she and her mom introduced me to Jesus Christ. And there's nothing more life-changing, nothing more powerful in your life than being able to introduce someone to Jesus. And yet very few people have ever experienced that. Very few people in the body of Christ have ever introduced. Now, they've prayed for people, they've talked to people, they've invited people, but very few have ever introduced one person to Jesus. Do you remember who introduced you to Jesus? Probably already you're thinking of a Sunday school teacher, a mom, a dad, a grandma, or a grandpa, or somebody uh, instrumental in your life. And you can think of that one person who helped introduce you to Jesus Christ. 
The question is, is there anybody today that thinks of your name because you led them to Jesus Christ? Well, today we're going to be challenged. That's not to beat us up. It's to lift us up. It's to encourage us to fulfill God's purpose for our new life that we have in Christ Jesus. So this morning, I want to give you an example of one who reached many ones with the gospel. Uh, one who models for us how to introduce somebody to Jesus. Now, who do you think we're going to talk about today? Some would say, well, obviously we're going after Peter or James or John. No, that's not who we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about one of the 12 disciples and one that's rarely talked about but should be more often looked at from Scripture. His name is Andrew. Andrew is mentioned only a few times in Scripture. And every single time you find Andrew showing up in the pages of Scripture, he's introducing somebody to Jesus. Is that not powerful? Is that not incredible? And yet we didn't think of Andrew's name as one of the heroes of the faith. In John chapter 1, 39 through 42, he first introduces his brother, Simon Peter, to the Lord. In John chapter 6, verses 8 through 9, he is the one that brings the little boy and his loaves and fishes and, and connects him with Jesus. And, and we see the miracle that happened in that moment. And then later on in John chapter 12, we find that it was uh, Andrew who introduced the Greeks to the Lord Jesus himself as well. Here's a man who is highlighted in Scripture these three different accounts, and each and every time we find him introducing somebody to the Lord Jesus. Well, what would Scripture record about your story? What would Scripture say about you and me as we seek to be all God has called us to be? Well, I pray that today the Lord would do a special work in all of our lives, and that he would wake us up to see the reality of what it means to walk one and one with God but what it also means to introduce one person, somebody, to the Lord Jesus Christ. So take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 1. Let's go back and let's dig in. And I want you to see the very first person ever to introduce anybody to Jesus. It's not Andrew. It's not Peter. Does anybody know who was the first person to introduce another person to Jesus? John the Baptist. Well done. Woo, you're ahead of the preacher. Look at verse 29. John the Baptist, the forerunner. And we get to verse 29. It says this, the next day, spe speaking of John the Baptist, he saw Jesus coming to him. And he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now, you've seen that before. You've looked at that picture, but don't miss out what was happening. You see, John was the very first person to ever introduce someone to who Jesus was. He stepped into that moment, into history, not just because he was called to be the forerunner, but because he was divinely inspired and divinely revealed in his heart who Jesus was, and he had to share that with his world. I hope that as God has done that in your heart, has revealed to you who Jesus is, as you've come to know him as Lord and Savior, that you have that same passion that we see in John the Baptist. John pointed people to Christ. Look at this. Go back to verse 29. And when he saw Jesus coming to him, he just didn't see that as a moment saying, oh man, I get to be with Jesus today. He didn't go running to him and throw a hug around and say, Lord Jesus, I need this from you today. The first thing that was on his heart is I've got to tell as many people as I can about this Jesus. And so he says, behold, behold. In other words, he's trying to get people's attention. 
and he's trying to focus their attention. He says, guys, behold, behold, look. That's all it means to be a witness, is drawing attention to who Jesus is. Helping people who are distracted in the things of this world Helping them to understand the one who created this world, created them, and the love that he has for them. Behold. And so all we're doing as we focus on who our one is, is helping them to see Jesus for who he is. Hopefully they see Jesus in us. But hopefully we can also point them to Jesus in his word, and Jesus is what he declared for their life. And that's what John the Baptist did. He, he drew their attention in that direction. And then notice the second thing, he shared the truth about Christ. He didn't say, hey guys, I want you to start coming out here to the wilderness and we're just going to start a church and we're just going to gather up and it's going to be this new thing called Christianity. But he called them to understand who Christ was. Look at what he said, behold the Lamb of God. He didn't say, behold a new rabbi. Behold the teacher. No, he shared with them, this guy is the Lamb of God that will take away our sins. He simply helped draw their attention to Christ, and then he shared about Christ. And that's all we do as a faithful witness of our Lord. Go to verse 34. As he introduced others, he simply testified to what he had seen and what he had experienced. And that's what any witness would do if they're called into court. They can't witness about something somebody else experienced. They have to testify of what happened in their reality. And that's what we're doing in this world. We are to be his witnesses. Look at verse 34. He said, I myself have seen and I have testified that this is the Son of God. He, tell, he told, and, and he simply opened up and said, not only do I know who Christ is, but this is who he's been in my life. I've experienced the life-changing power of Jesus. This afternoon, we're going to be teaching the church, and I, I pray that many of you will come out this afternoon at 2.30. Say, 2.30, that's nap time. No, that's time for us to wake up and get serious about reaching our ones. And we will equip you, and we will help you to be able to do what John the Baptist did. What we're about to see in Andrew of being able to have a conversation with somebody. It's not the old days that we all grew up in where you shove Jesus down their throat with a particular technique. It's simply telling God's story through your story. How did he become the Lamb of God to you? How did you come to know who Jesus was? Well, maybe you're here today and you're still trying to figure out who this Jesus is. And maybe today as you listen to the word being preached, it will all of a sudden become crystal clear that he wasn't just a good man and a good teacher, that he wasn't just a figure of history. But when you heard that term, Lamb of God, why is that so important? Well, in that day is they would offer sacrifices, lambs, innocent lambs who had never done anything would be a picture, a symbol that they were a substitute, they innocence, their innocent life would be a substitute for the guilt of the people. And John said, no longer will we look to lambs and critters, we'll look to Christ, the Lamb of God, the only way, the only truth, the only sacrifice, the only way to God, who will take away your sins. And everybody there understood it. 
Maybe today for the first time you're going to understand it. Maybe for the first time you're going to see Jesus for who he really is, your substitute, the payment for your sin, that you might be right with a holy God. Well, watch what happens next through the testimony of John, verse 35. Again, the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples. Now, remember, a disciple was simply a follower, if you will, uh, a learned one under a rabbi or a teacher. They were John the Baptist's disciples. They were being mentored by him and taught by him. And and, and matter of fact, there's about to come a time where many are going to leave him and go to follow Jesus. And that's where they come and say, whoa, whoa, John, we're losing our ministry here. What are we going to do? And remember what John said? I must become less, and he must become greater. He must increase, I must decrease. Watch it happen. So there were two that were standing there with him, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, there he is again. He's reminding them, guys, don't miss it. There is your Lamb. There is your sacrifice. There is the Christ. Verse 37, the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following, watch this, and he said, what are you seeking? Remember, I've taught you anytime Jesus asks a question, what are you supposed to do? Put on the brakes. Don't just look at the question. Don't just read the scripture. But you need to let Jesus ask you the very same question. So let's do that. Right where you are, right now, nobody else looking around, in your own heart, ask, let, let Jesus ask that question. What are you seeking this morning? What is it that you're seeking? Because everybody in this room is seeking something. There are some right now that might be seeking love. You just want to be loved. There might be somebody here or even worshiping online and you're just seeking answers. I just want to figure out why am I here? What's life all about? You might be seeking significance. You might be like my little brother growing up, seeking attention, wanting to be noticed, and, and, and doing all kinds of mischief just so they'll notice you. Maybe you're seeking riches or comfort or pleasure. Everyone is seeking something, and Jesus asked them, guys, why are you hanging out with me? What, what is it that you seek? So why'd you show up for church today? Well, I had to. I had to make the spouse happy. Had to make mom and dad happy. Why are you here? What are you seeking? What is it that God is doing in your heart? They said to him, they had an answer. Rabbi, which translated means teacher. Where are you staying? Really? You want to know where I'm hanging out? That's a little creepy, isn't it? Good grief. I would have reported these guys. So they came and they saw where he was staying. And they stayed with him that day. It was about the 10th hour. And one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was, watch this, here's our first introduction to Andrew. One of the very first two people that John the Baptist ever introduced to Jesus was this guy named Andrew. And he's so obscure in our Christian history, they had to put the tack line on there, oh, Simon Peter's brother, in case you didn't know who this guy was. Because everybody knows Simon Peter, but nobody knew who Andrew was. Interesting, isn't it? But Andrew was searching, and he was seeking. He was seeking truth. He was seeking answers. He's struggling with purpose in his life, probably sick of fishing in the boat and wanting to do something more with his life. And so he goes after the latest, greatest rabbi. Surely this teacher can give me some answers. Verse 41. So as he spent time with Jesus that night, 
Look at what happens, verse 41. He first found his own brother Simon, and he said to him, We have found the Messiah. Notice it's no longer rabbi. Something changed. His eyes were opened. This wasn't just another rabbi in town. This, we finally have found the Messiah, which translated means the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. You see, when you find the answer, when you discover who Jesus is, the one who created you and the one who died for you and the one that transforms you, you can't help but share that with someone else. John the Baptist couldn't contain himself. Whoa, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Andrew went running first thing to his brother and said, we found the Messiah. The supernatural result of a supernatural new life is to share that life with someone else. So I ask you again, who's your one? For Andrew, the very first one was his brother. I told you about that mission trip to Atlanta. I'll never forget coming back home bringing a couple dozen boxes back because I knew nobody in Arkansas would believe what I had just experienced in Georgia. And there's something about that first introduction to something or someone. You can't help but talk about it. You can't help but share that experience. But for some reason, Christians can. I don't understand it. We'll talk about everything we've ever, first trip, a first this, a first that, a new recipe, a new restaurant, a new experience. We'll talk about all those things, but Jesus. Take a look at this. Let's break it down. Let's take a look at how we introduce someone else to Jesus. John the Baptist taught us, all you simply do is testify. Talk about who he is and what he's done in your life. That's what we're going to teach you today at 2.30. We're going to teach you. That's all you do. How did you discover who Jesus was and what's he doing in your life? That becomes God conversations. It's super simple. The first thing, look at it again in verse 41. The first thing. I want to focus in on that word first. I want you to see that after he experienced the Lord, the very first thing, the very first thing that was on his mind was his brother, was his one. As he went one-on-one -on -one with God and as he had that encounter and the Lord entered his life and changed him, that automatically the first thing that came to his mind was, who's my one? He didn't have a preacher shoving that concept down his throat. He didn't have a whole two-month two sermon series to try to figure that out. It just came to his heart. And so if you are one-on-one -on -one with God, if you truly have that relationship with him, you can't help but have a burden for someone. It's just, I would say natural, but I'll tell you, it is supernatural. When we are born again, that impulse, that desire, that passion now turns to someone else who needs to be born again. Notice the second word that jumps out. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother. Look at the word find there. As you look at this next step, we see that as a result of this passion, this heart for his one, is he had to invest a direction, a purpose, a priority, and an energy. He had to go find someone who needed his Jesus, and that just happened to be his brother. Now, we don't know where Peter was, but Andrew did. Andrew knew where his brother was, and he went to go find him. 
because he wasn't just going to pray for him. He wasn't just going to hope that someday he would find the same Jesus he had. He was going to take Jesus to his brother. I hope that you are as passionate as we see here in Andrew. Do you have a brother that needs Jesus? Do you have a sister? Do you have a mother or a father? Do you have a cousin? Do you have a coworker? Do you have a neighbor? Everyone has someone that needs to know the one. For Andrew, first thing on his heart, I got to go find my brother. Notice the urgency. Notice that he just didn't say, well, I need to follow Jesus a little longer, and Jesus is going to have to teach me how to go to my brother. He just went. His passion took him there. The Holy Spirit living in him empowered him to go there. Why do we delay? Why do we push it off? And why do we think we always have tomorrow? Look at verse 41 again. How do you introduce your one to Jesus? Well, he first found his own brother, Simon. As we take a look at the next word, we looked at first, we look at found, and then we see his brother. We see the reality that it was personal. And he started with his family, his first area of responsibility. Have you ever noticed how much easier it is to go after somebody else's brother than your own brother? Have you ever noticed how easy? It's bizarre to me. I'll take a group of our folks from PCBC, we'll fly to New York City, and you can't shut them up from talking to people on the subway. I bring them back to Oklahoma City. Seriously. We'll go overseas, and man, we will share with anybody and everybody. We come home, all puckered up. I don't get it. I know it's spiritual warfare. But God has called us to start first in our own house. You look through Acts as you see the gospel spreading, and you'll see, you'll see the gospel constantly. Or with Jesus sharing it, this salvation is for you and your household. Do you have somebody in your household that needs Jesus? Let's make sure we've captured home base before we worry about first, second, and third base. But let's worry about all the bases. Cover them all. Can I get an amen from the congregation? So he found his brother, Simon, and he said to him, watch this. Now watch, watch him just model. Watch how simple this is. If I was you, I'd take notes. Okay, how can I be as effective at Andrew, as Andrew? What can I learn from his life? I mean, if he brought hardcore, hard-headed, fool-hearted Simon Peter to the Lord, man, I want to learn from this guy. He's an expert. Look at what he does. He got to his brother, Simon, and what did he do? Did he invite him to a Bible study? Did he tell him, I'm praying for you? He simply said, I, he shares a story. Peter, I have found the Messiah. What he was saying is, Peter, my life has been changed. I have discovered what everybody's been looking for. All he did was share his story. And you know what? Peter saw something in his heart that he'd never seen before. He'd grown up with his brother. He knew everything about him, and now he sees the glow of God on his life. Peter wanted to know more about this changed story. So the first thing I want you to see is it was a spoken testimony. He spoke up. He spoke out. 
He had a God conversation with his brother. You say, man, that is so awkward. We don't do that in our family. I know what that's like. I know what it's like to be told, you know, uh, we don't talk about religion and politics. Well, now both of those seem to be up all the time, don't they? And God forbid all we talk about is politics. That'll certainly just have you experience in hell every day of your life. I'd rather get over to the heaven topic, wouldn't you? And so he goes running to his brother and he simply speaks into his life and he simply tells the story. You don't have to turn here, but you can write it in your notes or if you're following along in the U version, it's there. Luke chapter 8, verse 39. There's another example of a man whose life was changed. And the man from whom the demons had gone out was begging him that he might accompany Jesus. But Jesus sent him away and said this to him. Listen to what Jesus said. He said, return to your home and describe what great things God has done for you. This is how simple we're, this is how simple this is. We've made it rocket science. It's just sharing your story. And everybody has a story to share. And everybody, as a matter of fact, even Facebook understands that. And has profited off your stories and your storylines, and God forbid that this world would be full of Facebook posts, but not testimonies of the Lord. And so he simply spoke. He did what Jesus taught this man to do. Just describe the great things God has done. Today, that's what we're going to focus on at 2.30. We're going to teach you how to articulate that, how to, how to describe how you came to know Christ, what Christ did to save you, and what he's doing in your life today. Three simple things. Anybody can do that. All of us should do that who know the Lord. I want you to see the second thing as you look at this. It was a simple testimony. It wasn't full of theology. It wasn't filled up with huge, long, doctrinal words. It was just a personal testimony, a personal story. Peter, I found him. I found him. It changed me. It's so simple. Even a child could understand what Andrew was saying. The whole town that had been looking for Messiah, they understood what he was saying. Don't overthink it. Don't overdo it. And that's been the sad thing, frankly, is the church has tried so hard to do the right thing. We've done it the wrong way, and we've done and gotten the wrong results. Let's just get back to the basics. Let's just do what Jesus discipled others to do. Just go home, go to your tribe, go to your people, go to work, go to school, go shopping, go to the restaurant, go to your neighbor, and simply describe what I have done for you. It's really a simple thing, and it's a powerful thing because people love to hear stories. The third thing we learned from Andrew as he did this for his brother is it was a sure testimony. It wasn't like, I think, Peter, I think, just maybe I found Messiah. I hope it's him. I think, I think it's him. No, what did he declare? I found Messiah. I found the only one that can change our life. It was a sure testimony. It was a simple testimony. It was a spoken testimony. But notice this too. It was a spiritual testimony. He didn't come by and 
kind of beat around the bush and say, hey, Peter, tell me how it went in the fishing today or how are we doing, what the books look like. Hey, is dad going to be happy with us? You know, uh, he got straight to the heart of the matter. I watch a lot of people who care about people and pray for people but have a hard time engaging in the spiritual part of the story. Just simply describe what God has done for you. Something God showed you that week in the Word. Something God has done for you personally. And then you can bridge that all the way back to how He changed your life forever. you got to get to the heart of the matter. Anybody know what batting is? I'm not talking about baseball season. Anybody know what batting is? Anybody? I mean, Irene Surface could help you understand what that is. Kendall Lucas could help you understand what that is. All right, Batting is what's on the inside of the quilt. And that quilt looks so pretty from a distance. You can see on the outside, boy, it's gorgeous. But that quilt, when it really becomes something special to you, if they, if they built the quilt right, there's batting that goes in that middle. That batting is what makes all the difference. What some call a quilt sandwich is what's on the inside. That insulating layer that provides warmth and dimension and thickness. And so many of us are just trying to let people see Jesus. That's just... That's like the facade of a quilt. And we're leaving out the batting, the, the, the stuff that makes all the difference in the quilt or in the story. We gotta bring them. We gotta bring them the meat of the gospel. Don't shy away from spiritual conversations. And today, come back and we'll teach you how do you bridge? How do you bridge from a typical, normal, secular conversation into a biblical conversation? But let me close with this. Look at the last part of verse 42. As he came to Peter, as he simply speaks into his life, as he shares what God has done in his life, look at what happens next. What happens next? He brought him to Jesus. He didn't save his brother, but he helped his brother be saved. He went to his brother where he was. And oh, by the way, I don't know if you've noticed our logo. If you ever see at PCBC, we have this bridge with three bars to know God, become family, and impact the world. And that bridge is a reminder that that's who we are to this world. We are to help people get from where they are to where they need to be. That they are lost in their sin, and yet through Christ, they can know God. They can have a church family they can be a child of God and have a new family relationship with a holy God and out of that and then impact the world and we are that bridge we are to help them get from where they are to where they need to be so what did Andrew do Andrew went to Peter he shared with Peter and then he helped bridge that relationship and bring his brother to Jesus have you had that life-changing experience has there been a time in your life where you've introduced someone else to the Lord Jesus? When you think of the 12 disciples, rarely do you think of Andrew. But I will forever first think of Andrew. Because Andrew was the first one introduced to Jesus by John the Baptist. And he would be the first one to model for us the new life we have in Christ by going and reaching his brother. But some of the hardest people on the planet to reach are our family. I said earlier, it's easier to reach somebody else's brother than our own brother. I realize that in my own story. Many of you know and have heard me preach often about my dad. My dad heard me preach numerous sermons throughout my life. I'll never forget when I came home and told him I was changing one of my four majors to become a pastor. Boy, that went over well in those days. 
Nobody saw that one coming in the family tree, and I have to wonder what my dad was thinking. All these years, I saved in 1981, all these years I prayed for my dad. My dad uh, would see Jesus in my life and my family. He would know and watch others and come to church and would hear and and my mom engages online every week and would see that and know that I was preaching the gospel every week. And so he was familiar with the story. But then in 2018, he got a terrible report from a doctor that he had pancreatic cancer. And as you well know, one of the most vicious forms of cancer. In September of 2018, I'd returned from one of my last visits to see my dad in Kerrville, Texas. My brother and I uh, came down there. My dad said, guys, I need you to come down. We need to meet with mom and we just need to get my affairs in order and make sure that we're ready for this transition. And so we went down and we developed the game plan. And, and my, my desire was to share Christ with my dad in that moment. And my dad's a very private man. And he was one who would say, you know, I just, I don't like talking about those. Those are personal things. So we would never really have a heart to heart. He said, well, you're a preacher. Shouldn't you've already Shouldn't you have already breached that with your daddy since 1981? One of the hardest things you ever do is reach someone at home. And I prayed for him. I would share occasionally. But I'd never fully confronted him with the gospel. And now my dad's got a few months to live. Got down there in September. And I wanted to share. And I knew he was so private that if I did that in front of my mom or my brother... He would just close the door, and we just never got that. We were just always there together. And I drove back home, and I thought, man, what a failure. I failed God. I failed my dad. And when I got home, the Lord convicted me. Bill, you taught the church for years how to reach their one with the gospel, how to tell God's, my story, God's story through your story. Why don't you just do that? That's what we're going to look at today at 2.30. The very thing that I did with my dad is what we're going to teach you this afternoon. So I sat down and I began to write a letter. I want to read part of it to you if I can. Sorry. I hate a crime preacher, don't you? Ah, here it is. Come on, let's see how we do. Dad, it was good to have all of us back together again. I can't imagine what you're going through. With all the confusion among the doctors and feeling so bad, I know you're dealing with some scary realities that have to be overwhelming you at this time. I've spent my whole ministry helping people find peace with God and direction in overwhelming times of crisis, just like you're facing now. And I feel like I haven't done that well enough for you. I also know that you're private, but you don't like talking about some of these things, so I thought I'd write you a letter and share with you the most important details that need to be covered in a time like this. Talking through all the practical things is important. I think that helped all of us, but more than anything else for me is knowing that you know the Lord and his forgiveness. We only have so much time on this earth together, but we have the hope of all eternity through Jesus. I didn't understand any of that until my junior year of high school. I always knew there was a God, and I thought he loved me, but I really didn't have a clue. I thought that you had to live a life where your good outweighed your bad, and that would make right with God, and that would get me to heaven. But when I was 17, I reached a point in my life that was very empty. You and Mom had given me and Sam everything that you could possibly give, and everything we thought we wanted, a family, a great house, a cool car, great vacations, and times at the lake. 
And that part of life was great, but I kept feeling like I was missing something. It was that emptiness inside. Well, you know the rest of the story. When I started dating Cammy, we started going to Emmanuel Baptist Church. And I started hearing what the Bible said about God and who he was. After several months, the blurry puzzle started fitting together. And on October 18th, 1981, I realized that what I was missing in my life was peace with God and a relationship with him. I've spent much of my life helping others with their spiritual life, but feel like I haven't been what I should have been to my own family. I wish someone would have told me way earlier in my life about how I could have known God and his love. I hope you'll read the rest of my story all the way through and that we can talk about it next time I come down. I went on in the letter for a couple more additional pages. I don't have enough time to read the whole letter to you, but my dad read it, and I prayed like crazy. A month later, in October, I went back for one more visit. And it was weird. All of a sudden, my mom just disappeared, went shopping. And there I was all alone in the house with my dad. I thought, all right, here's the open door. How am I going to get to him? And my dad yelled back from his bedroom, Bill, come here. I walked in the room. He said, I've been reading your letter. We need to talk. And I got to sit down and explain my story. I didn't break out a track. I didn't bring down my family devotional Bible. I just got to talk to my dad heart to heart. Dad, I found Messiah. I found Jesus. He saved me. And Dad, it'll save you. He says, is that simple? Yeah. But you've got to believe with your heart, Dad. He said, I want to believe in that Jesus. It would be a few weeks later, November the 5th. I got the privilege in October to introduce him to Jesus. On November the 5th, he got to go hang out with Jesus face to face. I just had to be simple and bold enough to tell a story. Anybody can do that. And all of us should. Would you pray with me with every head bowed and every eye closed? How do you reach your one? Well, the Holy Spirit has to do a work in you. You just have to be available. And let God use your story and just share what God has done in your life. And maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, God's never done anything in my life. I've known about God, but I've never let God do anything in my life. I'm not saved. God wants to save you today, right now, in this very moment. Either in this place or even online. And while we're running a little bit behind, it's more important that you're right with God before you leave this place. Do you know him as the Lamb of God that takes away your sin? If you don't, right now, say, dear Lord Jesus, I need you. Just pray to him. Dear Lord, I need you to save me. I now see that you are the Lamb. You were the one sent from God to pay for my sin. And Lord, I need a Savior. Save me. The Bible says if that would be your prayer that today Jesus would save you. Call on his name, receive him into your heart, he does the rest. He makes you brand new. If that's you and you just prayed with me right now, share that with us on a communication card, either a hard copy or a digital copy. Email us at ministry at pcbc.tv and say, man, today I found Messiah. Today I found Jesus. We want to help you in the next steps. 
If you've already found Jesus as Messiah, then you need to be praying for someone. Your brother, your sister, your mother, your father, your co-worker, your one. Who is it you're praying for? And if you don't have someone, God break your heart in this moment and show you one. And if God has shown you someone new in the past week, I'm going to open up the altar just for a couple minutes as we're all praying. Come get a ping pong ball. Write their initial on that. Put it in one of the vases by the crosses. And let's continue to pray for our city, our tribe, our families, our community. You'll be able to come. But the rest of us, we're going to be praying for that one. And we're going to pray for ourselves that God would send us to them to simply tell our story. Thank you for spending time with our church family. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, visit us online at pcbc.tv. There you can also contact us and find out how to connect with us through social media channels. And visit pcbc.tv podcast to listen to additional messages from Putnam City Baptist Church.